Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast presented by the Rambling Runner Podcast Network, where we take an inside look into the training of eight of America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in February in Atlanta. And in this episode, we reconnect with Roberta Groner, who just came back from the World Championships in Doha, where she finished sixth in an absolutely amazing race. And I say amazing because there are so many aspects of this that are truly remarkable, and I just can't wait to talk to Roberta. So we hopped on the call as soon as we could when she came back to the States. So I'm sure you'll love this episode, as always, with Roberta Groner. Roberta, welcome back to the show, and welcome back to the United States. You've been gone for a while. Thanks, Matt. Oh, yeah, about a week I was gone. So I got back in Monday afternoon. And what a crazy week it was. I can't wait to dive into it. You know, we're going to, again, this is a testament to how busy you are. We're like smashing this in the middle of the day on a lunch break because, hey, you got a busy life ahead of you and you got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time out. So last time we spoke, you were kind, we were basically had touched on um, basically what you were going to do for the fall, right? We had these two huge marathons coming up here, the World Championships in New York City, and you kind of laid out how the early stages of planning for that was going to go. So let's kind of pick up where we left off before we dive into the race, because there's a lot to talk about with that with that crazy race. Yeah. I keep wanting to call it the, an amazing race, but then I'm like, <laughs> I don't have the copyright for amazing race, so I don't want to yeah. say that too much. <laughs> um, True. So, so, so how did your training, uh, you know, leading into the race, how did that go in terms of what you were emphasizing and how it had um, been similar or dissimilar with some of your marathon training with Coach Steve Magnus uh, earlier in the year or when you first started working with him? Yeah, so I can't remember what we touched base on last, but no, I did definitely increase my mileage. I did at least four weeks of 100 plus miles. and This was the first cycle or the first time I've ever ran a 100 mile week. So we got about four weeks in of 100 plus miles. Um, the workouts were still kind of similar. Um, we did extend some of the fartlek workouts. Um, we extended like maybe like the interval length and, you know, distance. Um, but overall the workouts were relatively similar to Rotterdam, I would think. Um, I didn't get in quite as many like longer 20 plus mile runs. We did mainly 20, 21 mile runs, but that was just, I think, time restraint. Um, so yeah, I mean, like overall it went really well. Um, training in New Jersey in the summer, I, I had some heat and humidity and was able to get at least my second run in during the day, you know, with some higher temperatures and humidity. So that helped. But once the fall kind of came around, weather changed kind of quickly here in early September. And um, so then that's when I had to start making sure I was uh, acclimating to the heat. So I was doing wearing extra layers and things like that to help get used to get ready for uh, worlds. Right, right. I know. I, I I envision you like like one of those wrestlers who like is looking to cut weight and has like yeah. all these layers and they're going for a run. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I, I've spoken to a couple coaches now on this show and, and on my other show as well, just about their own philosophies regarding marathon training. And, and I know that there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in this regard. So how would you, and I'll interviewing Steve later on in the fall and we can speak more about this at that time but what are some of the things that that Steve and you emphasize maybe a little bit more or less than maybe you find other places and I'll give just an example of this is that Ben Rosario and Kellen Taylor 
oftentimes spend a lot more lot more time doing marathon paced work relative to like doing like you know shorter intervals and things like that. It's just that's just kind of how Ben likes to approach it. How would you describe some of the things that that you guys are either emphasizing or de-emphasizing relative to maybe some of your peers? Um, I think our biggest focus is more progression tempos. I would say starting around marathon pace and then ending faster than marathon pace. Um, like so build into a long run of a 20 miler, I might do something like a three mile, two mile, one mile cut down. Um, so always kind of running on tired legs, but actually faster than my marathon pace at the end. So that's a big emphasis. I believe that we do more than I did. I did with previous uh, training in my past coach. So, right, and that and that can be a tough thing, right? You're like, okay, I'm more tired now, and I need to run faster. I mean, that's quite a combination uh, to throw in there. So, what's it been like for you in terms of? I shouldn't say it like that. Like, what have some of these runs progressed to? Like, what were like say six weeks out versus four weeks out in terms of like the length and the length of the intervals that you were throwing in there? You know, with my training and with my race schedule, I don't know. It was kind of choppy, this schedule, because I was doing some races for NYRR for upcoming New York City. So, I mean, I, I, I can't recall. Like, they wouldn't say they progressed any longer than, like, let's say a 3-2-1 or a 4-3-2-1. you know, three, two, one. Um, I think my last big workout before Worlds was a 20-miler, and I had to add in Fifth Avenue Mile. So, it was kind of a different kind of workout. I did, like, a seven-mile warm-up one mile race, but I didn't really race it. It was kind of just to get it in. And then after that, it was like a two, like a cut down, like two mile, one and a half, one half mile, all getting faster. So and like I say, the last mile, half mile is like in the 520 range generally. I love that you ran the, 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 <laughs> um, the fifth Avenue mile. And I was envisioning like all, like a bunch of people who, of course, like in a lighthearted manner, be like, I beat Roberta Groner today, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because obviously you're approaching it like not as a race, as you said, and you're like in the middle of a longer day, but it's like that awkward, not awkward, but it's, it's it's a unique situation. And even for you, like you're a competitive person. What was it like to even have that in the middle of a workout day? Yeah, it was competitive. I mean, I am competitive, aren't we all? Um, but I knew, you know, I, I didn't taper for any kind of race. So I was, I think I had like 80, 90 miles on my legs going into that morning. So, and then I did, like I said, a seven mile run from New Jersey into New York City. So before the start. Um, so yeah, wait, you no, ran I mean, to the race? I ran to the race, yes. That's from awesome. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so we did a big loop. We ran, I ran across the George Washington Bridge down to Fifth Avenue and then kind of basically ran out of the corral and right back into my workout on the Hudson. So it was a, it was a fun morning. I had my, my boyfriend, Sam uh, is like my little support person. So he biked along with me with uh, what I needed. So uh, it was a fun morning, but um, yeah, competitive. So I still ran like, I think I ran like a five eleven. Um It was, you know, it's fun. I mean, I think, you know, we're all competitors at nature, but I knew what the goal at hand was just to get through and get, you know, my goal was worlds and New York city marathon. So can't win them all. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can imagine you being like, whatever. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm I'm like, literally I'm I'm out here doing another run after this. I'm not going to linger on how fast my time was. Yeah, it was kind of like whatever. And then it was kind of like, ooh, lactic acid build kind of up. So that workout was kind of interesting because it was kind of tough after that 5.11 to kind of run maybe as fast as I thought I could afterwards, you know. So I know, but, right? Because it's such a scene down there, but you probably had this other like 
motivation to be like, I should really keep moving here so I don't yes. get too stiff. Yes, yes. I mean, I did, but it was it was a different kind of race. But um, like I said, it's fun. Um, I wanted to be there for, you know, it wasn't a team race for my team, but it was part of, since I'm running New York, uh, just kind of getting my New York running races in before the race. So, Absolutely. And we should even say, you're, you're – you know, while you live in New Jersey, and this is just part of what it's like to live in the metro New York area, is that you know you're you're part of that scene, that larger New York running scene, and part of the New York Roadrunner NYRR. And in addition, I uh, my friend Lindsay Hine just announced yesterday that you'll be doing a live show. Was it November first? It's me, you, Sarah Hall, and Kellen Taylor doing a live show for NYRR before the marathon. Correct. Yes. So that'll be pretty exciting to be sitting with them too. Mothers also and. In- pro runner so it'll be a great conversation i'm sure oh absolutely and i told Lindsay i would mention it because she didn't even ask i was like i'm definitely mentioning it because this is <laughs> awesome and i want people if they're in the new york area or running the race make sure you go because uh you know seating is limited and check it out yes. so um absolutely. that is not a sponsored ad if anyone's wondering <laughs> so um all right so let's dive into getting ready for worlds because this is a unique race in a lot of ways basically in every way except for the distance itself. So what parts of this race, you know, whether it's the start time, the heat, the travel, um, you know, the, the other competitors, how much of this race specifically did you try to prepare yourself for and how did you do that? I would say it would, be, would have been the heat primarily. Um, just like I said, just kind of running through midday, I'm getting in, getting in some hotter runs. I did a 20 mile run, um, one day on a Sunday afternoon and it was a 86 degrees feels like 96. So it was pretty close. I felt pretty miserable. (laughs) Um, so that was my biggest concern was the heat. Um, uh, the, the time of the race being midnight, I don't know if I, I, I decided to stay on East coast time once I got there. So it felt more like 5 PM. So pretty much it worked out well because I had an overnight flight. I arrived at 4 p.m. their time and I slept till 2 p.m. You know, on the flight on the plane. So that kind of worked out. I just kind of carried that I would stay up till 6 a.m., sleep most of the day, you know, until like three in the afternoon and then, you know, start my day. So that kind of helped. Um, but I would say definitely the heat was the most the what I concentrated on the most. And when you say you concentrated on it, what are some ways that you're able to I guess, minimize the effect it's going to have on you. And and what were some of the, like the, I guess, who were you tapping into for knowledge about this sort of thing? Because while, while like 90 degrees and like 73% humidity is like completely atypical for elite distance running, it's not necessarily atypical for all endurance uh, sports, right? Like you have like the Ironman triathlon is in Kona, it's the Kona, you know, Ironman World Championships in Kona every year, and you know, again, maybe it's not quite as hot there as it is was was in Doha, but it's similar. So, how much of this stuff was like, you know, just learning different ways to manage something that maybe other people have a have a pretty good handle on? Actually, primarily, it started with our Team USATF. So, there's two doctors on staff that sent us like a PowerPoint presentation on uh, guidelines on what to do. So that was kind of started it. It gave very much like how to do it you know, what to do. Um, so that was where it started from. I did read up a little bit, um, on, uh, Camille Heron wrote something, I think in Doha a couple years ago, there was a 50 K championship. Um, and she did mention carrying fluids the whole time during the race. So kind of like getting some information on that line. And then obviously Steve and I talking, you know, he has, you know, he has some experience with past championships at hotter weather, you know, coaching like Russia and things like that. So we talked about, 
um, same thing, smart, conservative pacing um, and uh, drinking fluids and keeping, you know, the perception of being cool. However, we, I could do that. So. And let's talk about hydration and fueling. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you approach it? Um, I guess, first of all, what is your normal plan? And then what was what you did for this race? Well, how many typical? So normal plan is I don't drink a whole lot usually during a marathon. I do, you know, I provide my bottles and I drink what I can, but I would say I easily doubled, if not like quadrupled what I drank during this marathon. Um, so this time I did, you know, I usually just do Gatorade and water. This time we knew there was going to be five water, like regular water stations that they were providing. So at our personal refreshment stations, we had two tables or, you know, one on each side of the course. One I had Gatorade, the other one I had, I had noon because I was re- wanted to make sure to replace my electrolytes because um, I was worried, you know, obviously was sweating that much. So and then I would just drink water from the actual water stations. Um, and then I took, I think, three or four Martin gels. So. And did you, I mean, having three or four times the amount of liquid that you normally would have is a huge jump. So I guess, did you prepare on your long runs to take in more, more liquid? Like, was that, was that part of your prep just to get your stomach ready? Oh, I'm going to be honest here. No, I didn't. <laughs> I know everybody else did. I, I really am not, I, I did a, I, maybe one or two training runs where I drank a decent amount, but not that much. Um, maybe I would drink like, uh, 24 ounces on a long run if that. So, um, so this was just kind of go for it, you know, and if I couldn't tolerate after a while, then maybe I'd be in trouble, but no, um, it worked out. I didn't have any issues. So nice. Well, that's nice. Obviously you didn't have any issues. I would assume because shoot you ran a you ran a great race did you but even without it being um you know an overtly negative situation regarding your fluids did did you notice a difference just like the amount sloshing around in your belly um not so much i I really think because probably the sweating i'm sure i was losing quite a bit you know um I, I don't know what I, um, I, I did, did this research study for IAAF where I took this thermal pill that they, they're doing the study just to help for Tokyo. Cause it's going to be, obviously they say just as hot in Tokyo. Um, so I took this thermal pill, um, before the race and they weigh you before they weigh you after, but they don't want us to see our weight because they didn't want us to get it in our heads. Cause you know, I drank for like four days ahead of time. So I'm sure I was, uh, larger than I usually am. So anyway, so I'll, I'll be curious to see, cause then there's a thermal camera that was at the start line. So every time we crossed, it took temperatures of our body. So heat, so that'll be interesting, but well, I don't know how I got on that subject. So anyways, we were just talking, what were we talking about? I'm, All right. No, so we were just talking about like, if, if you, if you could feel like this, the amount of liquid in your body was so different than it normally is. Not necessarily. No, I did not And I mean, I was so concerned about it all. I actually, my bottles were smaller. They were eight ounce bottles. But what was nice is that I could carry it the whole lap and it didn't bother me. You know what I mean? Sometimes the bottles are heavy. You have too much fluid. So um, I think it all worked out well for me. You know, the planning of how I had my bottles, the size of them, and uh, just kept on drinking. So, yeah, it didn't affect me too much. And, you know, it being, um, you know, an international IAF race and you're representing your, your country, there's not a lot you can do, I was, I'm assuming, in regards to your race kit. But how did you, if any, you know, alterations <laughs> to your clothing, did you make just to you know, accommodate the, the heat and humidity? 
Yeah, so I I, I asked uh, my team. I had a head. I we came up with a headband idea. Uh, Sam, my boyfriend, is pretty creative. So uh, we stuck ice in the headband. We made a little slit in the headbands. We found them at the mall, but it was attached to our hotel. <laughs> and um, so we put ice in it right before uh, the bottles got. Then I wrapped it around my my personal bottle, and they they gave the okay for it. So um, when I would get my go to my one station, I would put the headband on and then the next station, next six, seven kilometers around, I would switch it out with the next one. So there was ice. The way I wore it was like where the ice was back on my neck so that it, it would, you know, go down my back and spine to keep me cool. So I don't know if it helped or not helped, but it was nice to feel, you know, some relief and some coolness. So like Carrie did like a uh, cold water, uh, towels that were wrapped around her bottle that she would wrap around her neck. I'm not sure what other people were doing. I saw someone had a hat with ice at one point. So, um, so yeah, I think we were, I mean, like I said, they, they gave us the okay for headbands and like washcloths and towels. So. And this is like like the wild wild west of like heat acclimation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like people are just like you know, it's like I don't know yeah. what's going to work. Let's try this. Yeah, it's kind of how it went, and I figured if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, you know, or if it, it said no, then I would. We got we were giving like our team was giving us ice bags like during you know we picked up our water towards the end and just putting ice you know wherever we could you know so it was just to stay as cool as possible or the perception of being cold you know so. And you've talked a little bit about um, now you were running laps. And this is like another interesting part of the course, which is also not dissimilar, but what you're going to see in Atlanta is that it was a 7K course that you did six laps of, which I would think there are positives and negatives to this, right? But with this, like, how, would you, how did it work out for you in terms of um, what the course itself was like, irrespective of the, the, the weather conditions? Yeah. yeah, that was positive for me. I, I, I mean, when I first heard that it was going to be six loops, you know, same thing, I was a little like, oh, you know, I, w- I wasn't sure how I felt about it, honestly. But um, I train that way. So a lot of my runs or my workouts, I did around a two-mile loop or a 1,200-meter loop. Um, just to kind of get used to being, you know, used to just running around (laughs) loops. Um, and so, you know, what the nice thing about it is you just know what's coming, you know, you, you get every, you know, Mark got, you know, every little bump on the road. If there is, there was no bumps on their roads. It was very flat paved, uh, course. And I, you know, for me, you get, there's certain turns or turnarounds where then you can see your competition. So you get a better idea where your competition is, um, you know, if you're gaining on them. So um, overall, I felt that was a positive for the race, it being, you know, a smaller you know, loop like that, a 7K loop. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Listen, when it comes to diet and nutrition, it seems like there are a million voices in the wilderness all just screaming out. It's hard to understand what to think about nearly any kind of food. And that's why personalized nutrition can be so helpful and valuable. And the key to doing that is getting your blood work done, seeing where you are on a biomarker scale, and you can optimize exactly what your body needs. And that's exactly what Inside Tracker does. They track up to 43 different biomarkers. They've optimized zones specifically designed for you. And also, they have science-backed recommendations for different ways where you can improve 
different markers and your levels. So give Inside Tracker a try. It's such a valuable resource. Listen, all the top athletes in the world, they get their blood work done and they have professionals taking a look at it to make sure that they're on the right path. Shouldn't you be able to do the same thing? So use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save 10% on Inside Tracker today. All right, so let's talk about pacing strategy that you and Steve came up with before the race. Yeah, so, you know, we had talked once on the phone, and we didn't really have a good indication. We just knew we would start slower, and I was thinking maybe around, like, 6.15 pace. I was trying thinking really conservative, you know. Um, and then he had sent me an email while I was in uh, Doha. He had done some digging of his, like, training, his like when he was training in Houston in the heat, um, and he had all his data. And so he had looked back on like some 10 mile tempo runs that they used to do. And on 90 degree days with high humidity, he was 25 to 30 seconds per mile slower than on a, you know, good weather day. So we kind of went with that. Um, going off of my PR 541 pace, we kind of figured stay around the six minutes, you know, ish pace and see how it felt. So um, that's where we started at. And it's kind of where I stayed the whole race. I mean, there may have been some surges every once in a while, but it was primarily running 345 to, you know, 350 Ks every, every K. So. Right. And you end up running a 238.44. Winner came in at 232. And we should say like, you know, your ability to maintain pace the whole way, not only is that hard for, you know, any marathon, right? Because just this cumulative fatigue can be an issue for all of us, no matter, no matter the level. But, you know, it start, you start with 68 runners and it melted down to 40. So you had this huge, literal and figurative melt uh, of the field. So what was it like for you about, in terms of keeping an easy pace in relation to your competitors? Because it seemed like you were like obviously moving up the field, but it wasn't because you were necessarily speeding up. Yeah, no, I wasn't speeding up. I just, I mean, you, you kind of have an idea with the weather that if, I mean, all right, so there's like the front runners, right? I didn't know if I would ever catch them, but there's always this thing in the back of my head that people are coming back because they started out too fast. So even though we were all running slower than our pace, but maybe it was too fast of a conservative pace for them. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of kept that pace. But then I think on the third lap or going into the fourth lap is when I started to surge a little bit. And that's when I kind of started cutting down the places more, you know, catching up with people. So, and then when you have that momentum, it just kind of carries through. But I would say by the sixth lap though, I was, I, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was, it was digging deep. It was kind of starting to hurt the feet, the, you know, the heat's, you know, starting to, t- to take effect on me also. So so in those moments, how much of a benefit is it for you to be, while while suffering, also passing people? Like, does it feel like it can kind of buttress those negative feelings? Yeah, no, it could. I mean, it was still like, it wasn't like I was passing someone very often because uh, <laughs> it started to, you know, thin out the crowd. So I ran alone, I think, primarily the second half of the race for the most part. And then when you're passing somebody, you're just passing them because they're fading, right? You're not like with them, you know. Um, but it definitely helps, you know, when you struggle. Even my very last lap, um, I think it was about a thousand meters to go. I passed someone. Now, in my head, I thought I was passing the sixth or the fifth place woman. Um, I mean, the person was going slower, but I was like, oh, I passed the fifth place woman. So, but it gave me, even though I was, I was digging deep and I was hurting at that point, I had that momentum and I, 
you know, I ran my fastest mile and like, the, the, you know, towards the end. Um, uh, and I felt like I sprinted to me to the finish line, but then I found out that I was just lapping somebody, but either way, just that mental aspect that you're passing somebody and you're at the finish, you know, go, you know, and I was able to, because I actually had the Japanese woman was coming up on me pretty quickly. I knew, um, but I was hurting so badly. It wasn't hurting so badly, but I was feeling it, you know? And so passing that other woman helped me uh, increase my lead on the Japanese woman. Cause I really felt she was going to pass me in the last like 2000 meters. So, but she didn't. And what was it like for you in the beginning running with Carrie and how much of that was predetermined? None of it was predetermined. That's the funny thing. We never talked about race running together. Um, you know, we know each other really well. All three of us do. We all raced CIM together. We all were at New York last year. We kind of have a bond because CIM, at least for me and Carrie was kind of a big breakthrough. We both went from 237 marathoners to 230 marathoners. So, um, but I don't know, we just kind of connected right in the first thing, maybe like, I don't know, 400 meters or so and decided to just kind of take it easy and run the six minute pace and uh, hang with each other for as long as we could. So, uh, and then the plan was to hopefully by lap five, pick it up and start picking more people off, but it didn't quite go that way. But uh, I mean, it did, but it, didn't go maybe in my head. I thought the pace would get faster and things like that, but, um, it was great to have her, you know, we, we talked, we, we, like I said, we tried to, we put, you know, you, you have to live in the moment. Right. So we wanted to just relish the first lap or two, take it easy. We're at worlds, you know, um, cause we knew, you know, if we raced smart that we would start picking off people. And just the size of the field, Th- this seems like to be also pretty atypical for marathoners, right? You have, you know, track athletes, you know, run in small fields all the time, right? You're not going to get, you know, 400 people doing, you know, a 1500 or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But for, but for a, a, you know, a, a distance runner like yourself, like a field size like this is so rare. What is it like for you, um, you know, just com- just running in that sort of environment where there's just not that many people around, uh, even in the beginning. And then also, you know, there's obviously not going to be a huge crowd necessarily either with the, you know, the the world championship starting at midnight. Well, you know what? Um, I, I don't know because I'm so used to like the elite fields at New York, Boston per se, where we do start alone and the field is oh, maybe 40 point. women. So, and we run alone, you know, we don't have any men or pacers or anything like that. So the field size doesn't really bother me because I've been used to that now. Now, if I hadn't been used to it and been running in the open, you know, fields with, uh, with men and women, I could see it being hard, but it's something once you start doing the elite fields, you're used to kind of running alone or, you know, parts of it alone. So possibly. That's a great point. You know, it's, it's funny because with, with Berlin just happening, last weekend as well like that was that was stuck in my mind of like a lot of the elite women you know it kind of intermixed with the men because their field isn't separated out like like uh, like the fields that you mentioned yeah so i mean i've primarily run most of my elite fields have been new york boston now when i went to rotterdam though that's was kind of an enticing reason to do something like rotterdam or berlin or chicago is then you may have the potential to have more people around you you know men pacing not pacing you per se but you know you can kind of latch on to somebody that's around you more people that are around you so yeah i mean the group effect is a real thing it really is absolutely all right so let's talk about the end because i think the pictures from this race were so wonderful because this finishing smile of yours is just so <laughs> i mean it, it like literally like jumps off the screen or page or wherever you're viewing it 
So what was it like for you? I mean, just what were you experiencing at the finish line, if you could walk us through it? Well, like I said, I mean, so back it up a little bit. I, you know, um, I have like, I decided, we've decided to make a sign up. My boyfriend did. It has six, six quotes. Some of my favorite, like for me, inspiration every lap. So every lap I had like a mantra or quote that I would think about. So, and it's obviously as each lap got harder, there was different meanings to each of them. But so that's kind of what inspired me each lap. So like my first lap was be great, anxious of nothing and grateful for all things. So that was me smiling and enjoying the moment, living in the moment. So, but by lap five, it's, a Des- it was, it's kind of like a famous Desi. I think Desi quoted it. Remember your whys, you know? So that was it. I was digging. I was remembering my kids. I'm doing it for my kids, my family, my friends, my supporters. So, and then the last lap was kick to the finish line with glory. Now I wasn't quite maybe thinking that the whole lap. I was just like thinking, get to the finish line. But that's, you know, as where my boyfriend was standing, he, it was kind of the last uh, loop, small loop. And then with like, it was less than 2k to go. And it was dig deep. And just like I said, um, go, you know, and this is a moment I'm representing our country. Um, I've always said from the very beginning, it was such an honor and very proud of it. You know, why wouldn't I do it? And um, there I was in sixth place, you know, um, just enjoying every moment of it. I'm usually not so, I would say, expressionable at the end of a race, but I was just living it. Like, here I am crossing the finish line, sixth place. This is why I do what I do. And, you know, all the hard work I've put in is, you know, is, you know, showing something, you know, for my country. I did something maybe, I don't know if anybody expected it or not, but, you know, to me, it was just a, a moment, you know, that I will never forget crossing that line. Um, so it was pretty exciting. And it's a great it's a great showing for just how much you've improved in the last two years, right? I mean, two years ago, running 238 in the marathon, you'd be like, that's, that's you know, and even in like perfect, ideal weather conditions, you would have been like, this is great. This is a wonder, wonderful race. And look, you just did that in, you know, the most severe conditions you maybe have ever raced in. Absolutely the most brutal. I nothing compares to it. You know, when it comes to I I didn't race Boston in the extreme cold, rain, wind. Um, but you know, this this to me was definitely the most brutal conditions I could ever raced in. So there you go. And I think it's again, I know a lot of articles that get written about you, age seems to be a popular topic within them. Um, but but just just regarding, you know, improvement after you know, age of say 35, where people would say, Hey, you know, unless you just like weren't active earlier in your life, it's hard to improve in athletics after the age of 35. But I think this is a great example of like, you obviously are continuing to improve. And it's not because you were sedentary in your twenties, you know, you've been you active for a long time. Um, and I think it's just when you talk to people or you have a forum where this topic gets discussed, um, what are some of the key points that you try to get across to people who worry that, you know, that time has passed them by, so to speak, in regards to their physical peak? Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, the, I don't know. I think like, you know, people are inspired that I'm 41, almost 42. Um, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, you just don't know. I mean, two year, like we said, two years ago, did I think I was representing our country at Worlds in two years? No, but you know, I don't ever think of age or my number. I think of, you know, you put the work in, you, if you're determined, you're passionate, you put the work in, you just don't know. So just keep showing up, you know? Um, 
And that's what I've been doing. I keep showing up, you know, I was kind of, you know, even for worlds, it was a lot of questioning, well, why are you going to do worlds and New York and this and that, but this is my time. And I think that if you, you really want to do something or try just, if you believe in yourself, believe it, trust the process, um, anything could happen. I love it. So let's talk about this, you know, this five week period between now and uh, the New York City Marathon. You know, what, if you could just, what's on schedule for like this week and next week, and then we'll just expand it out. Like, what is this period of time going to look like regarding your recovery slash training? Well, what I think I like most about me and Steve were kind of that relaxed uh, coaching, uh, you know, uh, runner style. We haven't gone much further than this week. Um, so this week is very easy, uh, running. Uh, he never really gave me any kind of mileage for the week or what to do. Maybe uh, he said, if I start to feel good by the weekend, put some strides in. So, um, just started running yesterday. I did an easy six an easy seven this morning and we'll go from there. So, um, I think next week we'll start incorporating, you know, some lighter workouts and, uh, and then, you know, my envision would be another week or two of, um, you know, relatively hard training. I don't know if we'll get up to hundred miles again. Um, the fitness is there, you know, I don't, I don't get too stressed. I just, like I said, I trust the process and whatever he just, you know, whatever he gives me. So I'm not so big on numbers in the sense of, Oh, I have to get in 22 miler or 20 miler. Um, because I think, you know, like I said, I feel like I'm pretty fit. I don't think I'll lose too much over the five weeks. The key right now is just not to be injured, you know, or, or get injured or hurt myself. So um, just making sure I recover well enough from this first one. Absolutely. And I think another piece here is, you know, seeing how it's going to go for you and Sarah, right? You mm-hmm. guys are pretty much on the same timeline. You've you know, ran vastly different types of races. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, as, as different as marathons can be, frankly. Um, but just seeing, seeing that bounce back and seeing you compete with each other and against each other. And lastly, just one more time, if you're going to be in New York, check out your panel discussion was going to be yeah. on November 1st. So, Absolutely. Roberta, thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait till we reconnect again. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, Matt. Roberta, thank you so much for coming on this show. I really appreciate it. And if you know Roberta, you know how busy she is. That's part of the reason that so many people gravitate to her. We actually had to do this podcast on her lunch break because she's so darn busy. And that's, again, part of the reason we love her is because it's so easy to relate to her as a person, even though it's hard to relate to her as a runner because she's just so darn fast. But as a person, my goodness, uh, she really is doing so much, um, just balancing so many things in her life. So again, Roberta, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. It truly means so much to me. Also, Big Ups Inside Tracker for sponsoring the show. Again. You can save 15% on Inside Tracker by using code Rambling. And I cannot recommend their services strongly enough because, hey, it's important to know what's going on with our bodies, our 43 different biomarkers, and to adjust our diets and recovery to maximize those things and to do so with the advice of experts. So thank you so much, Inside Tracker. Thank you so much to everybody for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.